0: This Afrocast is sponsored by Poco. The all-new Poco X4 Pro 5G delivers a premium experience at an affordable price. With 5G connectivity, a Full HD+, AMOLED, dot display, and Snapdragon processor, step into a new world of speed and reliability with Poco. To find out more, head to the Poco store on Takealot. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello again, everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. Uh, big thanks to Paco for sponsoring this Africast. Um how cold are you guys?
1: Because it is freezing where I am. Yeah, it's uh, is not a good time. It's every time I'm in the middle of summer, I think, oh god, I wish it was I wish it was winter. And every time I'm in the middle of winter, I think, oh god, I wish it was summer. So yeah, I am freezing and uh, not a happy chap. Yeah, and with load shedding, not a fun situation. How are you
2: doing, Robin? Yeah. I am like Jon Snow on the wall, on the watching. Wall. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're making a series about that guy. Uh, well, they go do something that dude is, well, isn't he? I'm sure he's playing Black Knight or something like that. Yeah, I
1: Black Knight
0: in the MCU. Okay, right, let's get into the news. Clinton, you've got some information
1: about Into the Breach. This is an old game, though. Yeah, this came out quite a while ago from the same people who made FTL. That's probably the game that they are most known for. But uh, Into the Breach came out. I thought it was fantastic. I I think I gave it like a 10 out of 10. I really enjoyed my time with the game. Um, But we really haven't heard anything about it at all. I mean, the game came out in 2018, and it's just been kind of silent man that was four years ago already where does the time go so they have announced a new advanced edition of the game and it is not just here's some more content for the game a lot is coming along with this including a port for netflix yes the streaming service a port for the streaming service and a physical edition so let me run through it quick as always uh, everything we mention will be in links at the bottom of the story so what is the advanced edition It adds in five new mech squads and nearly 40 new weapons. So that's a lot of stuff. Uh, A mech squad is made of three mechs. So that's 15 new mechs that you can play with. Um, There's more enemies, more bosses, more mission objectives. And there are new pilot abilities. There's four new pilots, which triples the amount of skills that you can learn. So there is a lot of stuff. Um, They called this a completely new experience. And I can I can completely understand that because It's a lot of new content. So how will this work on Netflix? Netflix has recently made a push into games. And I think it's something that is kind of happening in the background that not a lot of people are speaking about, which makes this announcement even more interesting. So the way it will work is that you can only play through the Android and iOS apps for Netflix. And there's basically a completely redesigned uh, touchscreen interface for the game. And you just play it like a regular mobile game. And the great thing about this is that there's no in-app purchases, there's no adverts, there's no nothing. If you have a Netflix subscription, you have this game for free. So that is really cool. I was trying to get a lot of people to play this game when it first came out, but they're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really like turn-based games. What is this weird, like, how based kaiju thing that you're showing me? So now that it's just included with netflix i think a lot of people pick it up or at least i hope a lot of people pick it up the last thing is the physical nintendo switch version so into the breach is available only on pc and nintendo switch right now and of course it's coming to netflix Um, but now those who want it on nintendo switch can pick up a not a collector's edition but a physical edition Uh, you can pre-order it now for release in october and it will cost you $34, which is about 550 Rand. And you get a box version of the game with a cartridge, a folded poster. You get unique art inside of the um, the box, a game manual, and two sticker sheets. So for those who really like Nintendo Switch collections, that's for you. So the Advanced Edition is coming out. Oh, where's this? i think it's next month i don't have the date here i don't know why i didn't include it i can't find it now but yeah next month the advanced edition will be out it's completely free and the advanced edition will also bring with it that netflix port and it will be a completely new experience i'm i might reinstall the game and try it out uh, i'm really excited for this did you guys play this one or did you guys play the previous game ftl uh, I played
0: Into the Breach uh, it was a lot of fun um, I don't know whether I'm going to play it on
1: Netflix again though <laughs> and you Robin did you try any of those games or are you excited to try it on Netflix of all places
2: um, I never played any of them but I am interested in the prospect of playing it on Netflix I want to see how that works more just out of curiosity and yeah. the actual game itself.
0: So I can, just... actually, I can actually tell you how it works because I've done this before. So essentially what you do is you go onto your Netflix app, uh, you tap on the games tab and there'll be a whole bunch of games that you can select from. And then you actually, you, when you tap on the game, it takes you to, well, I'm on Android. So it took me to the Play Store where I was then able to download the game and then play it. Um, oh, so, so it's, really it's just not a, like streamed? No, no, it's not streamed. It's, uh, oh. it's really just a hyperlink it's a hyperlink service to uh the play store or the ios store
1: that's a weird way to do it uh okay i mean i don't see anything inherently wrong with that um i think that's actually better for us in south africa who have terrible internet speeds yeah. and when we do have good speeds we have bad latency so yeah that that's interesting yeah when when it comes out i'll I'll try and make a mental note to try it out and i can report back so check out Into the Breach Advanced Edition. It's uh, very exciting, and I'm glad this game hasn't just been forgotten.
0: Robin, you've got some news about Amazon and robots.
2: Yeah, unfortunately not. Well, I guess depending on how you view it, uh, not necessarily great news. Um, So Amazon this week announced a pair of autonomous robots. These are fully autonomous robots, the Proteus and the Cardinal, and these are specifically designed to work in Amazon warehouses. Um, the Proteus it kind of looks like a large Roomba robot that kind of that vacuum uh, robot. Um, but what it does is it's almost uh, short enough to get underneath uh, crates and essentially move them around the warehouse. Um, then the cardinal is uh, f- far more different. It actually uses a combination of AI and computer vision to start sorting packages as they're on the conveyor belt. So, Um, These kind of robots are potentially going to be rolled out in some warehouses in the US. Um, But that's not the real story, I guess. Um, The big focus here is what this means for human workers. Um, As we know, Amazon has a very uh, divisive history uh, when it comes to how it treats its workers. Um, The same goes for how they view unions and unionizing. Um, They're not a fan of it at all. Um, So it is kind of interesting to see what they're going to be using these robots for as far as perhaps assisting workers um, who, as you know, have to deal with really um, almost uh, superhuman uh, requirements as far as how much they have to fulfill at at one of these uh, Amazon warehouses in a day. Um, You hear horror stories about people having to kind of skip their lunches and pee in bottles in order to meet their specific quotas for the day. And I guess... On the one hand, this is good because these autonomous robots can assist in that regard. But that said, um, Amazon also has a pretty bad history uh, with regards to some of the autonomous elements at their warehouses. For for whatever reason, those warehouses seem to have a higher rate of injury to human workers than other warehouses. So on the one hand, it is an interesting, I guess, uh, announcement, but on the other hand, what does it mean for human workers down the line and um amazon were kind of asked this by forbes and they said that replacing people with machines is just a fallacy so it really kind of depends whether or not they're going to keep to the word whether or not um these robots are going to start replacing uh humans in the in the warehouses uh because as we know there is a really big push from Amazon's side, at least, to kind of stop any kind of union unionizing. Uh, they're big on union busting, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, automation is one of those, uh, I guess, buzzwords for the past few years uh, that we've kind of seen sweeping through a, a myriad of industries. Um, Amazon looked to almost be kind of leaned the way in that regard with their warehouses and now with these newly announced uh, robots. But yeah. Uh, At what cost will it come to the kind of human workforce that are at the companies at the moment?
1: I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, just a day ago, a few days ago at this point, uh, there was an internal memo that got out and Amazon was saying it's worried that in about two years it will run out of workers because they have such a high turnover rate because people quit because the conditions are so bad that they're worried in two years they'll have no employees. So it's very interesting that this robot news comes out just as that internal memo leaks as, you know, maybe they're looking, hey, we're running out of employees, let's just uh, let's just get robots in here.
2: I love let's... how they it that they're running out of employees, mm-hmm. not that uh, we are paying people so poorly that they are forced to quit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's horrible. Oh, There's stuff I want to say, but that will get me sued. Um, yeah, Amazon does not seem like a good company. Maybe if they paid the executives less, they could afford to pay everyone else more, but that's a... That's a problem with every big uh, company, not just Amazon.
2: Well, It'll be interesting to see because apparently they're shopping around for space now. There was that development in River Club in Cape Town mm. that's uh, kind of uh, been halted uh, thanks to legal action. But it looks like Amazon are shopping around for another, re- uh, I guess, locations to set up their factories and warehouses. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do there.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um... Sorry guys, I don't know if you just saw, but uh load shedding was just upgraded to
1: stage four. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's get to the podcast quick, so before we all get cut off. Um yeah, okay. Uh
0: let's go to the next thing. Right, Uh, in other news this week, Bungie is suing a DMCA troll, I think is the best way to put that. Uh, At the beginning of March, or the end of March rather, YouTube content creators were met with a barrage of uh, DMCA strikes. Uh, And these are not good for your channel because if you get enough of them, you, you can eventually lose access to your channel. Um, the bizarre thing is that these strikes seem to come from Bungie itself, which is weird because Bungie really enjoys having a community of content creators that are talking about its game and and trying to make its game a highlight. So it's it's really odd to see this sort of um to to have seen this sort of thing. As it turned out, Bungie wasn't behind these strikes. Neither was the company it employs to police this sort of thing, CSC. And a new lawsuit has revealed. The details behind this incident, and it is absolutely crazy. So it turns out that the person who was behind these, or allegedly the person who was behind these DMCA strikes, was a Destiny 2 content creator going going by the name Lord Notso. um Their real name is Nick Miner, and they decided to do something, well, orchestrate a sort of revenge plot. Uh, But this is because Bungie issued a legitimate takedown notice uh, for Content Miner had uploaded in 2021. Uh, He had uploaded the original soundtrack for the Destiny expansion, The Taken King. And Bungie obviously doesn't like it when you just take its music, its original music, and upload it without any sort of of change to it. Um, So they issued a, a takedown notice. And rather than deleting it, Miner left it up. Uh, until YouTube itself deleted it. Then in February, Miner once again uploaded uh, tracks from the Destiny 2 soundtrack, The Witch Queen, um, and he wasn't allowed to do that. After both incidents, Miner created fake Gmail or set up Gmail accounts uh, that were meant to imitate the syntax of CSC email addresses, and he he began filing illegitimate uh, takedown notices, 96 of them. Um, The lawsuit reads, 96 separate times Miner used his fake CSE Gmail addresses to exploit the hole in YouTube's DMCA process security that allows anyone at all to claim to be representing a right holder for purposes of issuing a takedown. With no real safeguards against fraud, reads the lawsuit. Um, So what was kind of interesting to me was that... Bungie really slammed YouTube in in this lawsuit. Uh, They're not suing YouTube, but they have slammed them, um, saying that YouTube's uh, protections for disputing uh, DMCA claims that aren't from a rights holder, the DMCA claim doesn't come from the rights holder, are, in a word, pathetic. Um, saying that there's really no way for them to to get hold of YouTube and address things. They say that they had to go through several layers of YouTube context over several days before it could even start to address the problem. So to give you some context, these uh, DMCA takedowns started happening on the weekend. Uh, so on Saturday and Sunday, uh, a lot of these takedowns started happening. Bungie was only able to address the matter on Thursday. Um... Which which is a long gap to be able to address something like this. Um, what makes this even more bizarre is that all the while this was happening, Miner was uh, talking about how Bungie was behind this, how uh, Bungie was had turned on its community, and yeah, they they say that it caused them massive reputational damage, uh, which I think is not an unfair statement to make. Um, for his transgressions, Bungie is seeking damages amounting to, 7.65 million US dollars or 150 thousand dollars for each of the works implicated in the forged and takedown notices um so yeah this is a this is a pretty big deal and this content creator um rather than getting the revenge he thought he was gonna get he's now going to get nothing except a big fine
1: jeez it's uh on the one hand this is a bad situation for everyone involved on the other hand it's um it's quite telling because everybody who watches a lot of YouTube or even people who make stuff on YouTube, they've been saying for years that this content system is absolute garbage and it's ripe for, for exploitation. And now to have a big multi-billion dollar company like Bungie come out and say the same thing, um, it, it's really telling. It's also quite funny that there's a, there seems to be no special treatment from YouTube. Mm. If you're a small content creator, you're going to get You know horrible service and you're gonna get exploited by the system if you're a big multi-billion dollar company the same thing is going to happen to you so (laughs) at least there's some kind of equality in the system yeah
0: i mean that's not necessarily a good thing though i mean yeah it's not good it's
1: just very interesting from the outside
0: it highlights the failings of youtube like quite, quite quite sharply and um yeah hopefully bungie gets what they're looking for here um i feel kind of bad that an individual is now going to be tasked with paying seven million dollars. But I mean, if you're going to go and issue fake copyright or or yeah, DMCA he... takedowns and literally threaten people's livelihoods, then I mean you are kind of asking for it,
1: mate. I mean he knowingly broke the law. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's like no way around that. I mean, like, yeah, fraud. Yeah, I I, I that's the whole <laughs> fraud thing, of course, you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
0: Um, so yeah, uh, Let that be a lesson to you. Just because you're angry, don't try and get revenge on the game Uh, company. Don't don't break the law. (laughs) The Poco X4 Pro 5G has the power to keep you going all day with its 5,000 mAh battery. In need of a charge? 67W fast charging will top you up in a jiffy, and Poco even includes the charger in the box at no extra charge. Sporting a luxuriously fast 6.6-inch display with a smooth 120Hz refresh rate, step into a premium experience at an affordable price. Find out more about the Poco X4 Pro 5G on the Poco store over on Takealot. Right, okay, let's get into the meat and potatoes of uh, what's happening this month. Or, not this month, rather, but next month, because it is the end of June. Uh, Next week will mark the 1st of July, so, yeah, new month. This year is just speeding by. It's weird, because uh, I feel like the last two years dragged incredibly, and, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, We've selected three things that we're looking forward to this month. Um, And let's just dive dive into it. Clinton, um, I think this one is pretty obvious, but uh, you're quite excited about Thor Love and Thunder.
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, I mentioned in another podcast when uh, the tickets opened for South Africa. This has been the shortest time between two MCU movies launching because we just got Doctor Strange, which seems like the other day, right? Um, this is all due to the pandemic and the weird stuff with theater releases. But for us, the fans, it means, hey, there's a new Marvel movie just around the uh, the corner. And I think myself, like many other people, didn't really care that much for Thor or his movies until Ragnarok. The first two Thor movies were, you know, they, they were there. Um, and it's funny that the second one kind of retroactively became such a big part of the MCU. But anyway, um, the same main cast are returning taika is returning as director and um for those in the know this is adapting a comic book run based on gore the god butcher which is being played by christian bale of all people to give you a quick rundown i won't spoil too much um gore lived on a planet he's an alien his race was wiped out and he kept begging the gods for help and the gods never helped And he said, I'm going to kill all you guys. And he's given a magical sword to do so. And we have seen him using that sword in the trailer. We've seen also in the trailers that they have basically one for one copy pasted sections from the comic book. So this is all really exciting. Another thing that's really exciting is the the return of Jane Foster. And again, this copies or doesn't copy. It adapts from the comic books. At some point in the books, um... Thor is no longer worthy and cannot pick up his hammer and a mystery woman picks up the hammer and becomes the new Thor and eventually at the end of the comic art we find out that Thor was actually Jane Foster and I think this comic has been out for like a decade so I just want to I want to spoil a bit about it. Um, basically it's revealed that Jane Foster actually has cancer and she's dying um, and the the hammer isn't curing her anything but when she has the hammer she is thor and she has all the powers of thor so it seems like uh much like ragnarok they are taking uh several comic book arcs and they're kind of just compressing them and all putting them into one movie is it all going to work out who's to say so it is coming out on 7th of july um so it's not long now it's um not next week but the week after that Uh, I just want to ask you guys quick. Are you excited for this one? Did you care about Ragnarok? Do you care about Thor at all? Do you care that Jane Foster's coming back? Uh, So I care about Thor. I enjoyed (laughs) Ragnarok. Um,
0: uh, I'm not sure about Jane Foster coming back, though. I'm not sure if I'm going to... Basically, because I I haven't seen
1: her since what was it the second Thor movie? Yeah, I think that was it. So something happened. I can't remember the specifics, but something happened that made her unhappy with the MCU. I think it was the way her, her character was treated. So yeah, we haven't seen her for a while. Um, not for any like story reasons, but it seems for real life reasons. Um, so yeah, we haven't seen her for a long time. So this will be her big like triumphant return to the MCU.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm on the fence still. Um, so, obviously, I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. I enjoy everything that Taika Waititi does. Um, mm-hmm. But I watched uh, Spider Man No Way Home. And then this week, I, I watched uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness in, um, yeah. on Disney Plus.
1: Yeah.
2: And I don't know. Both were a bit underwhelming uh, for me. So, I'm hoping uh, that it's not going to be. A, uh, third time that I am disappointed. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll give Tyker and uh, Chris Hemsworth and all his muscles uh,
1: the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think people really, they really like Tyker. Um,
2: yeah. yeah, I've never seen a, a Marvel movie director do so much press for their film. It's usually the actors. This guy is all over the place as far yeah, yeah. as promoting this film goes.
1: I mean, he's um, also in the film, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he is Korg. voices Korg. And Korg, it, it's quite funny because Korg, when they first introduced him, he kind of seemed like a, not a throwaway character, but kind of a comic relief character yeah. you don't really see in follow-up movies. And then they were like, yeah, he, he's in all of it. <laughs> 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 I think it's because, of, um, just because of fan feedback. I don't think he would have returned so many times if uh, he wasn't so beloved. So, yeah. yeah, really excited for this one. Oh, and for people wondering about uh, Milner... Hammer, hammer, um, if you haven't been keeping up with all the Marvel movies, it was destroyed in Ragnarok. Um, how Jane Foster now has the hammer, uh, we're not sure. That is something that will be revealed in the movie. That being said, um, in the trailer, you can see that the hammer is all destroyed and beaten up, and it, it basically looks like it was glued back together, which is quite funny. Um, I don't know if they're going to explain it, like, oh, she went went on a vision quest and put it back together with a magic... You know, blacksmith or something like that, or or they're just going to be like, yeah, I put it back together with some super glue. Uh, either one will be quite funny. It will also be hilarious if after Thor got his butt handed to him by a Teller in Ragnarok and got his um, hammer destroyed, if he just left the pieces on the ground in Norway or wherever that scene was, um, it would be a very Thor thing to do to be uh, to leaving. Oh my god, I can't talk. It would be a very Thor thing to do, to just leave a a weapon of mass destruction on the floor um, in a different country. So yeah, that's Thor Love and Thunder. It's coming out on the 7th of July, and we'll be seeing it. Hopefully we'll have a review either ahead of time or on launch day. Right. Robin, what you've got for us?
2: Um, Yeah, so my pick is Nope. It's the latest one from Jordan Peele. Um... I'm cheating a little bit. Um, the global release is the 22nd of July, uh, but I've just checked out Sterkinekor, and they say it's TBA, um, and they are kind of putting it in the, in the window of 19th of August. So it could come out in South Africa later than it does in some other parts of the world. But regardless, I am really interested in watching this film. Uh, kind of Jordan Peele kind of won me over with uh, with these films of the past. I really enjoyed Us. Uh, and uh, I guess I really enjoy these films for, purely for the fact that um, they obviously, is a horror element. I'm not really a big horror fan, but I do like the, that there is some kind of commentary or some kind of allegory behind the films. Uh, the same thing goes for Get Out. Um, and I'm not sure if you guys have watched either of those films. Again, I don't think you necessarily have to be a big horror fan to enjoy them. Uh, they aren't necessarily, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, like, typical elements to it. Um, um, But yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to Nope. Um, I don't want to give too much away as far as the storyline goes, but uh, basically, I believe it's set in the early 2000s. That's because it focuses on a a family of uh, horse ranchers who provide horses for uh, films. And one of the films I think they worked on was uh, The Scorpion King, the very famous (laughs) uh, vehicle for Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, in the early 2000s. And they essentially, everyone in this area experienced some kind of event. I think it's aliens. I'm not too sure yet. Uh, Again, I don't want to try and give too much away, but um, it looks like there are some really strange happenings and this kind of family are kind of in the center of it for some reason. And, yeah, it looks really interesting. Uh, like I said, Jordan Peele's won me over several times for his previous works. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it.
1: So apparently the reason it's called NOPE is that it stands for Not of Planet Earth. Mm, yeah. So I think aliens are kind of like a foregone conclusion. I think that's definitely what the um, what it's going to be focused on. Um, I, I watched Get Out. I haven't seen um, Us. Um, there's no reason I just, that I haven't. Uh, I just, you know, haven't at the time. Um. Uh, yeah, I think at least Get Out, I don't think that's really a horror I think it's more of a suspense um movie, so like you Robin, I'm not the biggest fan of horror so I'll definitely be checking this out it'll be interesting to see when it's available in South Africa
2: Yeah, I'm not too sure why uh, we're getting it so late, I remember I watched Us in the cinemas uh, and I'm, I'm speaking idly here, but it was um Really weird because halfway through the film, this guy walked into the into the cinema carrying a briefcase, like a large briefcase. What? And actually everyone in the theater turned to their left, clocked the guy, and watched him all the way until he got to his seat. And yeah, it was, it was really odd to, for that to happen during, I guess, a horror film. Uh, people were a little bit on edge uh, because of that. But luckily nothing happened after that. But yeah, I'm not too sure why. Yeah. Um, we would get it essentially a month later than the rest of the world, especially when Us was released pretty much the same time as the rest of the world. But anyway, yeah, just want to watch it regardless.
0: Cool. Uh, I am a fan of horror, and that segues nicely into a Netflix series that's arriving on the 8th of July called The Longest Night. Uh, it's a it's set in a psychiatric prison called Monta Baruca. I'm sorry if I butchered that. It's a Spanish-language series, um, so much in the same vein as Money Heist. Uh, and this looks interesting because I think we've kind of noticed the trend with Netflix stuff, is that everything that comes from outside of the U.S. tends to be of a better quality. And, uh, yeah, so this takes place in a psychiatric hospital. We don't know much about it. The trailer is really creepy. Um, And, yeah, I just love stuff that's set in psychiatric hospitals. Like, it's just a really creepy setting. Um, And, yeah. Uh, So some of the people that will be starring in it uh, is um, Alberto Aman, uh, who played Pancho Herrera in Narcos and Narcos, Mexico, um, as well as Louis Caillou, who uh, starred in Below Zero. Um, so, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie, I don't understand Spanish. I mean, we're South Africa, we don't really speak Spanish here. Um, I, although people in the US might, might know it like the back of their hand. Um, but I'm just interested to see another uh, foreign language, in, in inverted commas here, um, series from Netflix that's not something that you would or that you would expect to see right like <clears throat> i mean we saw uh, squid game last year which was possibly the best thing that netflix has ever produced um and it was incredible the success of it was amazing so i'm really excited to see this especially like money heist money heist was so so good um and yeah i'm i'm keen to see what what this what this is about um as i mentioned the trailer is really really creepy um we kind of see a man Looking at a clock, see somebody like beating some people. Uh, Looks like there's people that are locked in tower. Um, The whole thing is is set around people being locked in a prison while they're trying to catch a serial killer. Um, So it should be really intense. It should be a lot of fun. Um, And it's releasing alongside two other horror and sci-fi sort of uh, thrillers. Um, That's the Russo brothers, The Gray Man, and uh, the The series reimagining of Resident Evil, um, which I don't know, like I was going to put Resident Evil on this list, but then I realized that I've watched so much Resident Evil stuff in my life that I really just don't want to watch anymore. So um, yeah, The Longest Night uh, on Netflix on July 8th. Um, You guys said you're not fans of horror. Why? What is it that you don't like about horror?
1: Because... It, it, it leads to two different things for me either it's not scary to me and i'm just like okay this movie has nothing to offer me except going boogly boogly boo or it's frightening and then i'm not having a good time so it, it, i know a lot of people say it's like oh it's like a roller coaster uh, yeah i kind of get that it's just that i don't know being scared isn't really what i'm looking for in my entertainment um And I can watch, I I just find myself watching horror movies and kind of not being enthused during the whole time. Mm. And I'm not saying like, oh, nothing scares me, because I cannot play scary video games. they just, my brain does not let me do that. And then I'm just not having a good time. Because at least in a movie, you you don't need to do anything. You just kind of hang out. But then I play a scary video game, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hide in this cupboard for 10 minutes, because I don't want to go around and get jump scared by a monster. So... Yeah, not not my genre. I completely understand why people like it, just like why people like the thrill of a roller coaster. It's just not for me.
2: Yeah, I think it just kind of depends on the kind of horror film. If it's too gory or leans too much on, like, jump scares, it's not for me. Um, The stuff I really find scary is, like, your kind of paranormal activity kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah, so I guess it really depends on the type of horror. Um, This one sounds quite interesting, though. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched um, Midnight Mass as well yes, on Netflix. Yes. That was quite good. So, yeah, it, it, I think uh, Netflix has – although we like to kind of bash it quite a bit, yeah, it has have a, quite know. a good history as far as horrors go. Yeah.
0: Horrors and thrillers, they do very well, but uh, Hollywood blockbusters is still something that they need to get right.
1: Right. I just. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to add yeah, Um for me, it's not gore or monsters or anything that freaks me out. For me, or paranormal stuff, even. For me, it's kind of existential dread. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched *Annihilation*. Uh,
2: no, I don't. Yeah, think that was that, that was so, a really little disappointing, though.
1: Well, well, regardless of what you think about that, there's a scene near the end. I won't spoil it. That takes place in a um, in a lighthouse, and the stuff that happens in that lighthouse is the legi- legitimately the most disconcerting, upsetting thing I've ever seen in my life in a movie. So. That's the kind of stuff that freaks me out. I'm I'm really fine with monsters and gore and paranormal, but the existential stuff, like at the end of um, Annihilation, that thing really ifs me up. Sorry, Brendan. Go go on to the next section.
0: Yeah, let's move on. Um, so Stranger Things. Uh oh sorry. So Stranger Things, the final part of the fifth, the final season. Yeah, so it's it's so weird. Tell us about it. You tell us about it. They
1: don't even call them seasons; they call them volumes because they're a bit hoity-toity. So, Stranger Things Volume Four, which is the fourth season, has a second part. So, in the past, we have seen shows do two parts of one season. Now, it has been theorized that the reason they did this for Stranger Things isn't because of any production reasons, but because Uh, netflix is trying to get away from the system of releasing all the series at once to my understanding from what we've heard on the outside the reason they split the season has nothing to do with the netflix um, model but it's purely because of time constraints apparently when the first half of the fourth season came out they were still frantically working on the second part so as far as we know from the public this isn't netflix going towards a new trend of not releasing everything all at once it's purely for logistical reasons so what we're getting now on the sorry i had a on the 15th of july is stranger things season four part two it's basically the rest of season four and yeah so stranger things has had quite a renaissance i'd say with um this first part of season four i think A lot of people, I don't want to say they got burnt out. I think season three was just not what they wanted, or it's not what they expected, or it just wasn't to the quality of past Stranger Things seasons or volumes, if you want to call them that. And volume four has kind of completely shifted that on its head. I've seen so many essays and news articles and YouTube videos saying Stranger Things is good again. And I don't want to say it was ever bad, but I do want to say that it's. It's intriguing and enthralling again. Definitely, I I do sentiment that season three kind of came and went. It wasn't a bad season again. It just it wasn't. It didn't have that X factor, that gripping nature that the other seasons had. And what made Stranger Things good? Because I think a lot of what Stranger Things does is heavily inspired by other fiction. You know, everything is inspired by everything else. But Stranger Things is very clearly. Uh, it wears its influences on its sleeve. But what made it uh, interesting and what made it so popular is the fact that it was really engaging. And you really wanted to see what was going to happen next with this world. And I think this new season has really brought it back. Um, you know, a great example of this is the fact that the Kate Bush song, Running Up That Hill, was used in a big scene in the show. And it, for the past few weeks, has been number one on many um. Sorry,
0: I just want to stop you there. Please yes. do not cover Running Up That Hill.
1: Don't do it. Who who are you talking to? Are you talking a, to me? I, don't, this is, this I is a can't general sing. Sta- this is a general <laughs> statement to everybody. everybody
2: the placebo one is pretty good. Yeah, the that's the only cover that
0: exists and we don't need any more. The only one right? that we don't need any uh, more covers.
1: Carry well, on. I mean, See? it's been so popular. I'm sure there's... I thought you mean like just like independent musicians. <laughs> don't, don't, don't cover it at the bar you're playing in. Anyway, um... So I'm going to speak for myself now. I really do agree with people who say um, that this is a massive return to form. And this is surprisingly gory. You know, speaking about that, uh, I think some people classify Stranger Things as horror. Um, and this this one really leaned into the body horror. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. But it was quite shocking what they chose to do, especially because I think this show has a rather low um, uh, age rating i can't remember what the exact age rating was i mean they made a lego uh, lego set based on stranger things so i mean it is somehow um targeted towards kids so i was a bit shocked by that um so let me ask you guys quick have you watched stranger things and have you seen this new season do you agree that it's back
2: so i have watched stranger things i haven't watched a new uh, season or well, the final season uh period for the fact that season three kind of i guess soured the yeah. franchise for me um but now I've heard good things about it. Uh, I have luckily kind of tried to kind of stay away from spoilers, so I'm going to wait for the second part to be available and then I'll kind of binge everything at once.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I can, like I've said a few times now, I can attest that it's definitely back to what made it so good. And you, Brandon?
0: Um, I watched the first season and didn't watch anymore. Because... Ah, okay. <laughs> so, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. the The reason I stopped watching it is because. It. I watched the first season. I was like, "This is it. This is just Stephen King's it," and uh, it just it lost me from that point onwards. And yeah, I I can understand that. Yeah, I think if like I know that sounds harsh, but like it is one of the first horror movies I ever watched. It freaked me out, and I absolutely loved the remakes. Um. So yeah, I
1: don't know. For me, it was just I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not a fan. Yeah, hundred percent. What's funny is that a lot of uh, the child actors from Stranger Things were actually in that it remake. Yeah. Which is they they're gonna be in uh, they're actually like all adults now, which is hilarious. The show's been going on for so long that they're like, oh let's get some cute little kids and now they're all adults. Now. but that's neither here nor there. Um yeah so for you Brendan I I wouldn't say jump back in because I think if anyone who watched the first season and didn't you know get on board with what it has to offer, mm. I don't think four is doing four is a return to that formula it's not yeah. like it's doing new stuff to bring in new people it's actually a return to you know original original coke it's bringing it's brought back the old formula so for you brendan i wouldn't say give it another chance but for you robin i, I think you you're already on board and you're going to come in so i'm very excited for this um uh i yeah i'm a complete convert like a lot of people season three Not really my jam. Season 4, they really brought it back. I'm excited to see where this goes. This might be the last ever Stranger Things. Um, It's a bit loosey-goosey right now. If it is the last Stranger Things, I'll be fine with that. Because I think it's... Season 3 did didn't meander. I think that's another reason why people don't like it. Because it wasn't as tight as previous seasons. But if this is the last season. And the second part of it is as good as the first. I'll be happy if this is the last Stranger Things we get. And everybody can check that out. Like I mentioned, on the fifteenth of July, it's all on Netflix.
0: Cool, Robin. You got uh, James May. Something with James May. He's still making content.
2: Yes, my favorite member of uh, Top Gear, and uh, I guess the Grand Tour as well. Um, so he's got a new series coming out. Uh, it's called James May: Our Man in Italy. Uh, it's coming out on the fifteenth of July on Amazon Prime Video, um, and yeah. Like I said, I'm a unabashed uh, James May fan. I like everything he does. Um, he also did a, a similar kind of uh, travel series for Prime Video called James May, Our Man in Japan. And not to sound too, I guess... Uh, um, too uh, over the top about it, but uh, he was really able to kind of sub- subvert expectations in the kind of opening scene of the of the series. A lot of the time when you watch travel series for Japan, uh, people usually go to the smack dab uh, in the middle of uh, Shin- uh, Shibuya Crossing and they talk about Japan, about neon lit cities and technological marvels. And uh, I guess the juxtaposition of traditional and modern and blah, blah, blah. But what he actually did was went to one of the northernmost parts of Japan and just watched the sunrise come up. And that kind of really set the tone for the entire series. Um, He was very much a kind of fish out of of water, kind of experiencing everything for the first time. And it was really refreshing. I just also kind of like his... uh, his uh, his delivery in general. So I um, also really enjoyed the James May cooking series, O Cook. Um, he is not a good cook at all, but he's learning, and yeah, that's quite fun as well. So I guess anything involving James May I am interested in. Uh, this one for Italy, I don't know too much about it as far as kind of which cities he's going to be visiting, what he's going to be doing in, in, in those cities. Uh, but yeah, anything involving James May, I'm all aboard, and I uh, will definitely be looking forward to this one, I think. I've really been impressed with what uh, some of the, the, I guess, former Top Gear now Grand Tour guys have done post, or I guess outside of the motoring world. I don't know if you guys have ever watched um, uh, Jeremy Clarkson's uh, Clarkson's Farm series. It's also really, really excellent. So good. Um, So, yeah. I haven't um, seen
1: that, but I have seen Drive Tribe and Food Tribe, which is also James May. I don't know if you guys have seen that on YouTube.
2: Yeah, I have seen Food Trap. I don't really watch the Drive Trap stuff too much. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, His takes on sandwiches. What's the best sandwiches <laughs> like But yeah, that's uh, James May, uh, our man in Italy, 15th of July on Amazon Prime Video. We'll definitely be binging that when it comes out. I don't know if you guys are... I, I know that probably Prime Video is the one platform that we perhaps don't watch as much as the others. Mm-hmm. I think with the exception of probably The Boys, um, Invincible maybe one or two others. There's not probably a lot more that you watch on those on that yeah. platform. So this is something I'll be diving into. So
0: I, I really like um, the old Top Gear crew. Um, what are they? I just call them the Top Gear crew. I know that there's new people <laughs> and whatever. But in my heart, it will always be Richard, uh, <laughs> James, and Jeremy. Um, so I like what they do. I especially liked like um, – when uh, richard hammond used to do all those engineering things and uh but james may like you robin he's pro- probably one of my favorites of the trio because he's just he's just himself and he doesn't care what people think about him and i think that's a good life lesson for all of us
1: every time i see the police i think crikey it's the roses <laughs> so yeah he's a uh, he's great <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Right. Uh, let's move on. Um, I'm I'm going to be cheating a little bit. Uh, I'm going to jump to a game because I've already talked about a series. So why, I, why am I not talking about a movie? Because Brendan doesn't really watch movies. Uh, so the game that I want to talk about, I'm cheating a little bit because it comes out at the end of this month, uh, is Outriders. Um, but Brendan, Outriders already exists. Yes, you're correct, but there is an expansion coming which brings a whole bunch of uh, new content, a new area, a new campaign. It's basically a new game. It's called World Slayer, um, and it, it adds a bit of new stuff to the game. So uh, there's new weapons, obviously, but like I mentioned, there's uh, there's new uh, areas to explore. There's a new villain, um, and hopefully people can fly, can use this to kind of build out this world a little bit. Um When I spoke about this previously, I said that I was I was interested, um, but I would wait to see what's coming. So uh, throughout the last month, People Can Fly has been teasing what we can expect. Um, There's more. There's What's the word? The ho- there's a honing of the classes that has taken place. So, uh, if you don't know, Outriders has four classes: the Technomancer, the Pyromancer, the Trickster, and the Devastator. And each of these different classes brings something different to the battlefield. So, the Devastator is like a tank. You manipulates the ground around you to deal damage to enemies. The Trick the Trickster kind of runs in and out of combat, uh, deals damage at close range, and like runs around and hides in the battlefield. The Pyromancer as the name suggests, deals with fire. um, And then the Technomancer kind of summons. It's more like a Necromancer, if I'm honest, but I suppose they had to be different in some way. So you summon like turrets and uh, spirits, I guess, to kind of fight for you. Um, But so the reason I'm excited about this is because I felt that the original Outriders game kind of didn't, didn't flop. It just kind of ended and that was it. The story was intriguing up to a point, um when the final reveal comes out, you're kind of like, oh, okay. So we're just doing the time travel thing. We're just doing that, right? Um and it, it becomes very disappointing, especially by the time you get to like the end of the game and you're just once again going through a corridor shooting things. Um and I think it's really disappointing because it came out and everybody sort of said that this would be a Destiny Killer because it's a looter shooter. Um, and it wasn't a Destiny killer. Um, in fact, every game that has been called a Destiny killer has failed to kill Destiny. Um, in fact, I am of the opinion that the only thing that will kill Destiny is Destiny. Um, so yeah, I, I'm curious to see how People Can Fly has adapted this game, and I'm kind of sort of hoping that it's the game that I was hoping to play when it was first released last year. Um, like I said, there were just so many things that were... that, that marred the experience of playing Outriders. Um, it's not that it was a bad game; it was just not as good as something like Destiny or The Division. Even um, the the reward system is just very, very bad. Um, you have to do you have to complete time missions with players. It, it's it's just a bad system, and I hope that they've revamped it. Um, from the looks of what we from what I've seen on social media, it does look like People Can Fly has gone back to the drawing board and taking a hard look at what it needs to fix with its systems, what makes its systems great, why people played the game, and yeah. Um, the other thing that's weird about Outriders is, is that because it's a looter shooter, a lot of people assume that it would be a live service game, and it, it isn't a live service game, um, even though you need to be online to play it. It's, yeah, um, But yeah, um, I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes, uh, and hopefully it brings some success because... I think that the the base of what Outriders is was intriguing. It was just executed poorly.
1: I That was the first game in a long time where the demo convinced me not to play the game mm. instead of the opposite. Um, that really got me interested in I mean, it. You, so, can play,
0: you can play the whole game for free right now if you want. Um, it's, uh, yeah.
1: But is that, I wouldn't recommend it. Isn't that Game Pass it, now? Or uh, is it just free to play? It's I haven't free to been play up, up, up until the launch of World Slayer. Ah, okay. Yeah, I... Um, even even for zero Rand, I'm not yeah. interested.
0: <laughs> it's a lot of like, data. It's a lot of data to download.
1: Yeah. I Like a hundred gig
0: game or something. So I mean it's it's yeah. Unless you're like unless you are you have been waiting to play this game and you missed it on Game Pass. Um yeah, maybe just give it a skip and wait to see what uh, World Slayer offers. Right. Let's move on. Uh Clinton. Yes. is a lego ferrari oh my but, god I, mean, I say lego ferrari there's like a million ferraris what what which ferrari is it
1: give us some more this this is the daytona sp3 so for anyone who's in the know with lego you may be saying hey, wait a minute this is out already well again this is another problem in south africa it was supposed to be out on 1st june and that's when it launched most territories except south africa so the release of this is a bit weird we were told first july but i actually just checked it as we were. i began to speak on about it now and it is now available so i'm not i'm really not sure what's going on with this um i'm still going to include it here because i want to talk about it so what makes this special well size (laughs) i mean yeah that's what makes this special let me start with the price it is seven thousand rand that is a hell of a lot of money um For those wondering, oh, it's probably because we're in South Africa and we got, you know, shafted with um, conversions and stuff like that. No, not really. The uh, euro price, uh, the overseas price um, is very much in line with that 7,000 Rand after, you know, you convert it to Rand. So this isn't a case of South Africa being shafted. This is just a case of a very expensive luxury item being expensive overseas. And then it's very expensive in South Africa. And the last thing I want to mention about that price is that Even if it was cheaper in a place like America, where in some states you don't pay uh, tax, if you had to import something this large, you would be paying like double the price. So how large is it? It is 3,778 pieces. And once you put that together, it is 59 centimeters long, 25 centimeters wide, and 14 centimeters tall. So this is a big boy. Um, According to the official kind of blurb from lego it is one eighth scale so it is very big so this is made with technic so a lot of people are a bit confused about what technic is exactly so basically lego is broadly defined into two groups you have system and you have technic system is what most people know as quote-unquote lego it is bricks and plates right technic is based on a system of lift arms and axles and The building experience between the two is very different. I think a lot of people who only know system, the bricks and plates, if they had to build something with Technic, they would be, I don't say they would be confused, but they would be a bit bewildered about how different it is and what it can do. The point of Technic is that you can build machinery that works. So with these lift arms and these gears, you can build uh, working engines and you can build... You know mechanisms that move and you can add motors, they even sell motors for these that allow them to be you know remote uh, remote control. So even though this is based on technic, unfortunately, this doesn't have that many functions. It has um, I don't know what you call them butterfly or suicide doors. It has a uh, moving engine and a gearbox. and while that's all great and it's really cool, the problem with these display models that Lego makes out of technic is that once you've built them, you can't really see any of that. This has a really interesting gearbox. It's it has an eight-speed sequential gearbox and that can be shifted with paddle shifters on the um the toys steering wheel. So they put all this work and all this effort into this really you know, it's it's a scale gearbox. It's a gearbox that works, but then, you know, once you finish it, it'll be covered with panels and you won't be able to see it. So the the real thing for what you're paying for here is just a really cool scale model that you can put on the shelf. Now, again, we have to go back to that price of 7,000 Rand. It is expensive, but for people who collect model cars, I think if you look at the price, to find another 8-scale model... Um, I, actually, let, let's, let's do this live. We'll Do it live. 8-scale uh, model car. Let's see how much, let's see how much they cost. Um, I, I, again, I'm not, um, I'm not kind of saying oh, you should buy this because it's a good deal. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm just saying that for the size and for the heft and for the building experience you're going to get, it might make that high price you know, more justifiable. Um, I think at Hypertext, I'm the only one who really cares about Lego. Um, Robin, you're a car guy. When you saw this, um, I think you edited the original story. Did you care about this at all? Does it look interesting?
2: Uh, I care about, I guess, the technical feats of it. Uh, I'm not a Ferrari guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, if, if they were doing perhaps a Porsche Speedster, maybe that would be something I'd be interested in. They've, but, um,
1: they've made th- a few Porsches like this.
2: Mm, so I think uh, if you are, I guess, a petrol head and you'd like the, I guess, technical aspects, of it, it would make sense to... Can to be interested in this or if you're a big 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 ferrari fan you're you're one of those people that puts a ferrari sticker on your non-ferrari car um yeah. sure uh but yeah i think it is it's a hell of a lot of money yeah?
1: yeah and i think to for someone to have enough money to casually buy this you're probably someone who can maybe afford a real ferrari um brendan do you care about this at all no okay <laughs> no a hundred percent i mean yeah it's that's how it goes. You know, there's <laughs> something for everyone. I'm very happy that this is in South Africa. And again, like I said, if you had to bring this in yourself, it would be like double the price. It is such a big heavy product. And then you need to pay import tax and the shipping and everything. So again, while this is insanely expensive, if you had to, you know, go through the extra legwork, um, it would be even more expensive. One thing I do want to mention that's a bit I don't know how I feel about it. Um, They made an accompanying book to go along with this set called The Sense of Perfection that is kind of like one of those coffee books. It's a big book and it's got like interviews and high-res pictures and everything like that. For some reason, instead of including it with this very expensive product, they made it a separate purchase that costs 80 euro, which is like 3,000 rand. uh, And on top of that, you can't even buy it anymore. It was only done as a very limited run production and it wasn't even available in South Africa. So it's, it's truly baffling. They've never done a book about a set and then they don't include it with the set. And then they also made it um, limited. It's very confusing. And yeah, it's, it's not a good look for people who wanted it and now can't get it. Uh, I have no idea why they chose to do this. I don't support it. It's very weird, and what's hilarious is that they called this thing the sense of perfection. The set that they made had various mistakes in it. Like, at the end of building it, you just have two extra pieces that were supposed to go on the back, and when they made the instruction booklet, they just forgot it. Also, there was a massive problem with the gearbox. Um, When you were assembling it, the instructions were completely wrong for one of the important steps, so the gearbox didn't work as intended. It's just funny that... They called this thing the sense of perfection, and it's very far from perfect. And I don't want to get into a whole tangent of the fact that LEGO's quality has really gone down in recent years, but it's very baffling and it's very ironic that they called it the sense of perfection. Um, so yeah, again, they told us that the launch of this was going to be on the 1st of July, but at the time of writing, it seems to be out now. So if you have seven grand just lying around and you want to buy a big Ferrari buildable project that will take you like three weeks to complete, you can buy this. Guys,
0: oh sorry, I thought I lost you there for a second.
1: Sorry. No, no, no. Did did you hear? You? Yes, yes, did, I got it. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Sorry.
0: Um. Okay, Robin, you've got a game for us called Stray.
2: That's right. Um. So, full disclaimer: I am a dog person. I'm not a cat person. Cats are very nice, but dogs are better. That's just facts. Ooh. That said, the internet loves cats, and I can see why this game. It's it's been in development, or it was announced. I think over 18 months now already. Um, it's called Stray. It is from a f- small kind of French developer called uh, Blue 12 Studio. And Anna Piena is going to be um, uh, publishing it. Uh, it's set to release on the 19th of July. At the time of writing, I'm checking out the PlayStation Store. Uh, they have it available for PS5 and PS4, but no pricing as of yet. Um, so... Hopefully it won't be too expensive. We know that um, PlayStation uh, prices at the moment are crazy, uh, but if it is at the right price, uh, it does look like an interesting game. I'm surprised this kind of title hasn't come out before, but it essentially allows players to play as a cat, and you're, I guess, a, a cyber city. I don't, I don't want to say cyberpunk is because this city seems a little bit less violent than that than that one. Um, But yeah, you'll essentially be able to explore the city from the perspective of a cat. Um, It looks like there'll be a lot of puzzle solving involved with it, uh, a lot of exploration. Hopefully, you'll able to explore quite a bit. Um, You'll hopefully get almost like a uh, Marvel Spider-Man or a Assassin's Creed level of exploration to the city itself. Um, And you're not kind of, I guess... Uh, too boxed in as far as what you can explore. But yeah, it looks like an interesting game. As I mentioned, people really, really love Cats, and to be able to play as one in a, a futuristic city seems pretty cool. Um, hopefully uh, the developers have made it as uh, as fully explorable as possible, because um, if it is rather short or there isn't really much to do outside of uh, the specific campaign um yeah it might be a little bit disappointing but it is on my radar um i know i said i'm a dog person but to be able to explore the city uh, from the perspective of a cat does sound quite interesting and it could be a refreshing change of pace from a lot of uh, intense titles that have been released of late
0: is there any like combat in the game
2: so from what i understand there is a combat element uh i think you'll be taking on almost these like uh droids these smaller robots I think also have to deal with some kind of infestation problem from what I've seen in the gameplay mm. um so yeah there is some combat to it but I think it's more about uh, kind of p- puzzle solving and kind of uh, negotiating different uh, areas of the map uh, as opposed to just straight up combat because okay. I think then you then you're heading into I guess Ratchet and clan kind of territory
0: I suppose that's right eh
1: have you guys ever heard of Tokyo Jungle? No. No. Tokyo Jungle was a game on the PS3 where you played as a dog in a post-apocalyptic situation. Was it an MMO? Or was it thing? Yeah. I'm just thinking. Um, if, is there an equivalent of this for dogs? And yeah, there was Tokyo Jungle It released in 2012, and yeah, it was a PlayStation exclusive, and it was from what I thought was very weird. So you had to like mate with other dogs and. You had to survive as a dog. It's just very weird. So yeah, there was a game called Tokyo Jungle where you played as a dog. So, you know, the dogs had their time 10 years ago. Uh, now it's time for the cats.
0: Yeah. And I think it was last year we had Skatebird. So <laughs> now you can have your whole pets menagerie on your your gaming platform of choice. Right, uh, last thing I want to chat about is um, I know I said I was going to talk about laptops, but I'm changing my tune because while we were talking, I realized something. um, And that something is that the whole month we have been talking, or there have been rumors and hushed whispers about NVIDIA's RTX 40 or 4000 series of graphics cards. Um, So these cards are expected to drop in mid-July, according to the rumor mill. Um, and they will replace the 30 series. So this is the 40 series, and um, the thing that I want to highlight here is the uh, the madness that the rumour mill is uh, is generating at the moment. The the se- at the centre of this madness is the AD one hundred and two GPU chip, um, which is said to or rumoured to have eighteen thousand four hundred thirty two uh, CUDA cores, along with a ninety six megabyte cache. But this is where things get a bit mad. Uh, the rumor is that this chip has a TgP of nine hundred watts. ladies and gentlemen, that's that is more than my computer and my laptop drawer together, one GPU chip, right so uh this this is mad. this is just crazy, but it, it's increasingly looking like this may be the case um and yeah, it's an absolute mad. So if we look at what's to come so, Uh, So far, the rumors suggest that there will be a RTX fourteen ninety, which will be using the uh, AD102 that I mentioned, as well as the RTX 4080, which will be using the same one. Then in September, oh, sorry, uh, the 4090 will launch in August and the 4080 will launch in September. This is all rumored, by the way. This is not confirmed. Um, uh, the RTX 4070 will then launch in October and the RTX 4060, um, sometimes after sometime afterwards. Uh, so if you are about to pull the trigger on a graphics card, um, maybe just wait another month and see what happens with NVIDIA. Um, I don't, as I mentioned, this is all rumored at the moment, but these rumors from the sources that we are getting them from tend to be, tend to hold water um so yeah rtx 4060 i think is the one that most people will be eyeing in south africa or 4070 um just given the the price of gpus at the moment um i think everybody's going to be a bit more conservative uh so that's october and then
1: probably november december some sometime around there um yeah that being that being said the prices have actually started to come down um i have a 3060 and i actually got it for a very good deal um through one of our trade partners, and now I see that the price I paid, which was very favorable when I got it last year, is now just the the regular retail price. And you can actually, just through regular stores, get the GPU for less than I did. You know, it's just a regular store. You don't need to know anybody. You don't need to have a connection. You can just go out and buy it. So prices are coming down, but I'm not really excited for these Because one, the the power draw you mentioned, and I'm not saying, oh, you know, the planet and it's ridiculous. I'm just saying that instead of doing any real engineering work to make these GPUs better, they're just like, oh, we'll just give it more power. More power That's more better. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, imagine if it was cars. Imagine if a big automotive company came out and said, you know, instead of making this engine better, we just put another engine in it. What so, so yeah.
2: some,
0: something I just want to mention is that because these are all rumored, right? We could be seeing a a chip that's completely unhinged that is meant for data center applications, right? Yeah. Um we that's what we could be seeing here because the idea of a 900 watt GPU is it's just madness. Yeah. I mean, I mean- yeah uh, you, your your power supply units that are that are a thousand watts will probably be struggling like what what do you need like a thousand two
1: hundred watts to run a, a decent cpu I, and then the rest is for your gpu what's going on? i think on the here? most the most that regular psus have is like 1500 and even those are like hard to find or yeah. are or very expensive and so that you're leaving 600 watts for your whole system and if you have the money and the desire to buy a card like this you're probably going to want a high-end cpu and then Absolutely. can you even do that on a 1500 watt psu there was a, a meme that came out a while ago that the uh the next GPU would have its own power supply, and that wouldn't even be. If they announced that that was real, I wouldn't even be surprised. It was like, yeah, that makes sense because you yeah. guys are going insane. Like, I mean, a friend of mine
0: and I were talking uh, last week about this, and we were saying like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna have to buy two power supply units. How do you even power- how do you even do that? Like, like I understand, but at the same time, we were also talking about maybe these cards will be the death knell for like customized pc builds because it's becoming so expensive and with the advent of things like cloud gaming and game streaming um is there really a point to building your own pc anymore i mean for me the only thing that's keeping me on pc for gaming is a mouse and keyboard and even that's becoming less of a thing to like stick around for so I mean, the latest generation of consoles is incredibly affordable and incredibly powerful to a point where I think most gamers are kind of like, yeah, this is this is fantastic. But am I going to upgrade my PC anytime soon? Hell no, especially yeah. considering how ridiculous it is to get product in the country, first of all. And then the power demands of these things are just getting higher and higher. And of course, games are going to want to have that power available to them, but it's just not realistic. Yeah, I don't we'll think it's. Some... I don't think it's even realistic at the high end to say, "Hey, this car
1: draws 900 watts of power." Yeah, we've talked about it in the past, and I still maintain that if you just want to play 1080p, there is no reason to get a PC yeah. anymore. It's just it's become so unaffordable that even the cheap games don't make sense. And I still maintain I've been I, I feel like I've been saying this for like two or three years. If you just want 1080p gaming. You just need an Xbox Series S, the cheaper yeah. one, and you need Game Pass. And I don't see why anyone should get anything else. And like you, Brendan, uh, the reason I haven't made that move myself is because I need mouse and keyboard because I have old man fingers, uh, yeah. thumbs that are becoming worse every day. And also because I have a PC right now, but I don't know what's going to happen if I wake up one day and my computer's just dead. Yeah. What am I going to yeah. do? I mean, it isn't sure to get struck by lightning or something, but if it gets too old that I can't play new games or something like that, I, I don't see why I would get another PC. If I had like a laptop from work that doesn't have a GPU, it would take a lot to get me back into PC because it's yeah. just, it's too expensive. I've been priced out of this hobby, Um, you know, talking about Lego and stuff like that, but <laughs> that's a, that's another thing. Yeah. So I, I've been priced out of this hobby. So yeah, I'm just riding my PCU, and every day I switch it on, I'm like, Oh, please don't, uh, please yeah, don't be not, broken today. Um, Robin, you like the Lego for Brandon. You don't care about any of this, do you?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say not care. It's just, um, it's not a world that I exist in, Mm. thankfully. uh, Feeling what the pricing is going to be for these kind of things, yeah.
0: I would like to to see, though, what the mobile versions of these GPUs look like. Um, Because when the 30 series launched, I mean, when it reportedly launched, because nobody could actually get a card... um, the best way to get hold of those GPUs was via a gaming laptop um, or to buy a pre build and then strip it. But I mean, I do wonder whether what these GPU what the mobile laptop GPUs will look like in the series because um, you can't have a laptop or a GPU that's drawing 900 watts from a laptop. That just does not work um because then it's not a the battery anymore. for two seconds yeah it's not a laptop <laughs> anymore then you've got a desktop a slimline desktop so yeah uh we'll be keeping an eye on this throughout uh, the month of july um as i mentioned it's expected that these will be announced uh in uh, mid-july um and then launches will cascade from september or from august onwards uh, starting with the the big boy, the 4090, down to the 4060 at the end of the year. And then, of course, I'm pretty sure NVIDIA will launch a 4050 Ti, and then Ti versions of all of these cards. Um, so the next two years seem to be sorted for NVIDIA in terms of GPUs. Um, and that's going to wrap it up from us, I think, for this week. It's been a bit of a long podcast, um, but yeah. Uh, stage four load shedding all weekend this weekend thanks so much Eskom. we appreciate that uh, but we uh, we don't really um we do appreciate though paco sponsoring this podcast once again uh be sure to te- check out the paco store on techlot.com. and yeah for myself brendan lotch cheerio from kinsa bye everybody and from robin licetti
2: stay warm everyone
0: we'll see you next week goodbye bye cheers the centerpiece of the paco x4 pro 5g is the camera array Featuring a 108-megapixel main snapper as well as an 8-megapixel wide and 2-megapixel macro cameras on backing vocals, your memories will look better than you can remember. With a full charge taking just 41 minutes, the Poco X4 Pro 5G is designed to give you the most without breaking the bank. Find out more on the Poco store on Takealot.